Hello and welcome to BSD Talk, number 15. It's February 7th, 2006. Once again, I'd like to thank the OpenBSD developing crew for providing release songs after every release. You're currently listening to the release song for OpenBSD 3.0. All right, we've got two topics today. One is about connecting a new installation to the internet and some steps you should take before you do that. Following that, we'll have an interview with Postgres core developer Bruce Momjan. All right, I've been receiving a lot of comments and email from new users, and I guess I want to just caution some of the new users before they take a BSD system and hook it up to their cable modem or DSL and then leave it there exposed to the internet running all day and all night. Even though the BSDs may have fewer security problems than other operating systems, they are not immune. And so there are some cert- there are certain things you want to do before you go ahead and leave it hooked up and exposed to the wild. Probably the most important thing you should do, and this is done during the install, is to pick a strong root password. That administrative account, you know, that's the keys to the castle. You don't want to let people easily guess your password. Quite often, you will have the secure shell service, which allows you to log in remotely, uh, enabled and running on your system. And there are a lot of computers out there that have been broken into by bad people. And these systems are automatically scanning random computers and guessing username and passwords if they detect that the secure shell is running. So you don't want to have a root password that is easy to guess or a dictionary word. So please try to make sure that your root password is a really strange combination of letters, uppercase and lowercase, and perhaps some symbols on your keyboard. Another thing you should do is to create a regular user account for your use. You do not want to be running around on your machine as the root account all the time. One, you'll make a mistake and ruin everything. But two, as a regular user, you have uh, less ability to harm your own system if you're out there browsing the internet and somehow you download something that you really don't want to. So creating a regular account is really one of the first things you should do. If you do run up against something that requires administrative privileges, you can either use the su command to gain root privileges, or you can log out and log in again as root, or switch to a virtual terminal, log in as root. But stay a regular user until you hit something that requires root, then go ahead and switch over. Another thing you should do right away is make sure that you've applied all the patches and updates to your operating system. This holds true for any operating system. There may not be as many updates to the BSDs as there might be in other operating systems, but they're there, and occasionally they're critical. So you want to make sure that you do that. I recommend doing that right after you install the operating system, because usually after an install, 
you haven't customized the computer very much and you haven't stored a bunch of data or information or custom programs on this computer. And so if you're practicing the process of applying updates and patches, it's much better to you know, mess up and ruin a system that you haven't invested much time into. If you go ahead and you know, wait six months, you might actually have customized the system and you might have a lot of important stuff on it. And doing the update could be a little more scary. So practice on a fresh machine. Then when a real update comes out that you really care about, you will have already worked through that process. Probably the last thing to do is to understand the purpose of any listening process on your system. The netstat command will let you know what processes are running and whether they're listening on any ports. There's some additional flags. Check the manuals, the man pages for netstat to look at different ways to access that information. But what you want to do is see what programs are listening to the network for information. And you want to be aware of what those are, whether they're needed or not. Quite often, you should shut down any unneeded services. If you do have a hardware firewall, a lot of people do, that will take care of uh, some of these problems. But quite often, people will then port forward or you know, make it so that they can get to their servers at home. And you just want to make sure everything's buttoned up nice and tight. Next, we have an interview with Bruce Momjan. So let me go ahead and play that. Today on BSD Talk, we're talking with Postgres core developer Bruce Momjan. And uh, why don't I have you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about the Postgres project. Um, basically, I've been working with Postgres since it left uh, Berkeley in 1996. Uh, I was one of the one of the people to sort of start the internet-based development of Postgres. And I was a volunteer in that project for the first four years. And since then, I've been uh, employed by companies doing Postgres work. But when we started in 96, we sort of had a pile of, you know, very capable and very promising, but sort of buggy and sort of academy-oriented, uh, academic-oriented code. And the neat thing is to see it uh, over the period of, I guess, almost 10 years now go from kind of a, of a hobby to something that, that really has sort of caught on fire and has a lot of major backers and major users at this point. It's been very exciting for me. I've been involved with open source since, I think, 91 or so. And uh, it's just really, you know, luck that I got involved in, in this particular project. I guess a lot of large companies are starting to distribute it and support it with various distributions of Linux and commercial operating systems. We really started kind of a niche. It was sort of, you know, it was, yeah, there's this open source database out there kind of thing. And, uh, you know, every year we sort of grew out of momentum, out of momentum. And now, yeah, you've got sort of Sun and big, big companies in Japan and, you know, big companies in the U.S. now using it. And just a very exciting time for us. I also heard that the .org uh, DNS domain is housed on a Postgres database. I don't know if you know if that's true or not. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, one of our core team members works for that company. Um, National Weather Service uses it. We've got some big financial firms using it. See, it's really neat. Ameritrade's starting to use it, that kind of thing. And you know, related to this podcast, it is BSD licensed, which I guess makes it a, a nice fit for the BSD operating systems from a licensing standpoint. Yeah, it really does in a couple ways. 
from a user perspective, it really eliminates a lot of the uncertainty companies have in using open source because the BSD license does not have any strings attached to it or any perceived strings. You know, just the thought of sort of lawyers you know, digging through licenses is almost scary in itself. So they can, you can basically say, here's the license, you know, there's nothing to it, do whatever you want with it. And that is obviously a very easy sell for our people. And on the flip side, it has helped to uh, nurture a number of companies that are, have been and continue to support Postgres you know, as part of their business. So they sell either commercial versions of Postgres or commercial add-ons or commercial support and stuff like that. And we've found it to be only a, bit, a huge benefit for us to have those partners available. When, when I usually go to some of these companies and talk to them, and they're sort of like, do you mind we're selling Postgres? Do you mind we're packaging? I'm like, well, we think it's great. You know, I basically tell them, you know, the Postgres community is great at development, and we're great at, you know, putting out releases and stuff, but, but we don't have salesmen, you know, and we don't have, you know, a telephone number for technical support, and we don't have people to do uh, performance tuning to come to your site and, and all these things that really a lot of organizations need. And the BSD licenses allowed us to have a, a large number of companies at this point uh, really putting their whole company behind supporting Postgres users. Right, the, the latest release now is 8.1, I believe. Yeah, 8.1.2. Any uh, interesting or major features for some upcoming releases? Yeah, you know, we've been, I think, in development for two or three months now, and, and I think the, the focus seems to be on data warehousing and high-performance type of applications. We've always done very well with the OLTP kind of benchmark, uh, online transaction processing, batch processing, you know, order entry kind of things. But we've had a number of companies who've wanted to do more of the data warehouse and data mining kind of, you know, high scalability cases. And we're probably more than one company now actually funding developers to improve that area. So my guess is that A2 is going to continue in that strain in terms of uh, improving our ability to work in that, you know, in that problem space that we really have not done a lot in in the past. Another question is around marketing and what some people call shelf space on the bookstore. You know, what do you, I don't know how much you're into the marketing side of it, but I do know that you've authored a book. What do you think it might take to get more bookshelf space around the Postgres database? Obviously, there are some other databases out there that seem to get a lot of hype. Yeah, we've, um, you know, in some sense, the, the books are there to make up for the lack of documentation that the project itself provides. So, for example, if we could provide the ideal documentation, you wouldn't really need a lot of books to go with it. We, ha we, did, we, we do have a, lot, you know, a good number of books, but I'm not sure how many are actually coming out and that have come out, say, in the past two years. We had my book come out, and there was a whole bunch of books in the 2001-2003 time frame, uh, and we're getting some second editions of those, the Douglas and Douglas book being probably the best of the, of the breed in terms of, of books that are out there. Yeah, you're right. I'm kind of wondering why, uh, why we don't have as much shelf space. I, I'd love to know. I'd love to know how to get more. And I think there is a, a serious lag in how popular database is versus how many books are out because, you know, it takes a while, obviously, to ramp up, uh, you know, large book runs and, and sort of for the market to realize there's an opportunity there. So when you're running Postgres, one question would be, 
what operating systems you're running it on. What's your preferred environment for doing your work? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a funny bird because I've never used Postgres for any you, <laughs> any commercial usage at all. In fact, I never, I never even stored any data in it. It's kind of strange. Obviously, I do a lot of work on the code and, and, and improving it and applying patches and, and rearranging things and stuff. But in terms of using it on, in day-to-day -day operation, I've never uh, really used Postgres for that. Um, when I was using databases, I used uh, Informix, Ingress, you know, those kind of databases. And by the time Postgres became popular, I was already sort of full-time employed at, you know, at, at improving it and, and keeping the community, um, you know, moving forward. So I never really got a chance to use it. I myself run a commercial version of, of BSD here called, it used to be called BSDI, it's not even around anymore. And uh, I'd probably need to move to NetBSD in the next year or two as, uh, as my operating system sort of starts to get cobwebs. But we, we, do, we do try and recommend the BSDs for Postgres. I know Postgres is very popular on those platforms. Um, but we also have a very wide uh, spread of operating systems that we support. Pretty much every operating system that's in common use today you know, can run Postgres, except for some of the really small embedded ones. I guess recently, I mean, not that recently, but uh, finally the native Windows port came out, and I'm going to assume that will really help with the popularity of the database. Yeah, I'm, I, I think it really will. We, we had a real struggle internally within the, within the community sort of saying, do we want the Windows port? How hard is it going to make the Unix development to have Windows and Unix in the same code base? I spent about two years working with community members to get the Windows port done. And the good news is that now that it's done, uh, the, the code is actually cleaner than when we started because we ended up modularizing a lot of things in, in the process of making the Windows port. So it hasn't been a negative at all for us. We look at it, some of the people saying, well, you know, you're promoting an, a closed operating system and stuff and proprietary. And basically, we don't feel we can show people how good open source is unless we run on their platforms. You've got to you got to show them something first before you can get them to move over to, uh, you know, to an open operating system. And for a lot of our users who are running big BSD servers, you know, they still need, uh, you know, salesmen who are stuck on, you know, Windows to be able to run demos and things like that, or developers to run, you know, tests on their laptops and things like that. And, and that's really where we, we think the majority of our Windows market is. Uh, we don't see it for really large servers, but we do see it as sort of filling a need as uh, the world kind of transitions to the open operating systems. Okay, well, while I have the ear of a core developer, there's one question I have to ask, which is, is there something in the plans or is it the feature you're looking to do such that I can upgrade Postgres between major versions without having to do a dump and restore? Will we ever be able to have the upgrade process actually roll my tables to the new format. Yeah, you know, I talked, I talked to somebody last night about that. I used to have a script that I had developed uh, that used to allow a few of our, of our earlier releases to upgrade in place. And I thought, um, I actually don't know Perl, and I've been learning Perl in hopes that I can transition all those shell scripts to Perl, and maybe it'll make it easier. One challenge we have and, and this is an area I really am not sure how to deal with, is that the 
on-disc format will very often change from release to release because when we added subtransactions, for example, or we added two-phase commit, all of a sudden we had new bits being used, new structures being added to the on-disc format. And as soon as you change the on-disc format, you're going to have a case where you're going to have to read in and rewrite every single page of the database anyway. And as soon as that happens, you might you almost get to the point where you might as well dump and restore because you're going to have to hit every single page in the system anyway. So we're a little we're technically we can write the script probably to do an in-place upgrade, but every time we get to the point and then we start to look at it and then we look at what we change from release to release, it becomes sort of impractical. So we kind of have this curse that Postgres is advancing so quickly uh, and being improved so quickly that we almost have trouble doing the kind of in-place upgrades that our people want. Now, the good news is that what we're now recommending for upgrades is for people to use a replication solution such as Sloney, which would allow them to run both versions of the database on the same machine or on two different machines. And that would allow them to do an upgrade with nothing more than bouncing the server, switching from one to the other, so that you could actually do an upgrade with no downtime except a, a bounce of the database. And, and we're, we're sort of toyed, torn between people need no downtime, which is never probably going to happen even with an upgrade script, uh, and then people who are having to dump, do a dump and reload. And if you have those two solutions available, uh, does it make sense to start to look at sort of an in-place upgrade, which is going to take some time. It's not going to take as long as down, dumping and reloading, but it's going to take more time than a Sloney type of, of dual uh, running version upgrade would be. So that's where we're kind of torn in terms of what features or what functionality to offer in terms of upgrade path. Well, is there any other points you want to make about Postgres? I think we might wrap this up here. Uh, no, it's just really neat to be able to talk to everybody actually with a voice. I, I do travel a lot, and uh, I've had an opportunity to meet a lot of the people, but there's still a lot of people I haven't had a chance to talk to. So that's why I'm really excited about having this sort of venue to, uh, to basically just be able to talk about the types of things that I do on a daily basis and to talk about uh, you know, the exciting project that Postgres has become. I'd like to thank you and the developers for your hard work and you know, just send you best wishes and good luck with the further releases of Postgres. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you want to find out more in information on Postgres, you can go to their website. It's postgresql.org. If you'd like to leave comments on the BSD Talk website, you can find us at bsdtalk.blogspot.com, or if you'd like to send me some email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. I really like to encourage anyone who's interested in being interviewed or discussing their experiences with the BSDs to get a hold of me, either through email or from comments on the website. I really like to hear your stories. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time.